with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hi there, I'm your uh, host, Rez Krebs, and here we are with the After 9 political panel. We've got Eric Allen, James Steidel, and Art Betke. I'm going to start out today talking a little bit about this amazing uh, proposal from Danielle Smith. She wants to take over about half of the Canada pension plan, just over half, $334 billion of assets to start an Alberta pension plan. Uh, this is because she claims that, you know, Alberta has paid so much into the Canadian pension plan that they are owed a lot more than, than what they're getting. And she wants to take control of that, of that cash. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting idea. There has never been a province who left Canada pension plan. Quebec started its own before the Canada pension plan. Um, I'm just interested in, you know, does this signal, is, is this really just Daniel Smith throwing some more red meat, throwing out some ideas that, that might just kind of flare up this resentment for, for the feds and frankly for Quebec? Or do you think it's an actual, uh, real proposal that she's willing to follow through with? What do you think, Eric? Well, the, uh, the actual, uh, Balance of payments issues come up a number of years ago. Same argument, same rationale. We're paying all the taxes. The money's going to Quebec because they're a have-not province. And they got upset about it. And around that time, I think they brought out the Western Canada Concept Party. And, and they were going to leave or try to leave Canada. Well, and the that Wexit? <laughs> yeah. That was the, the later and it, it hasn't. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't really gone away. Alberta's people are really strange in some ways, like, you know, like my sister, she lives in Grand Prairie, and certain things I can't talk to. She won't talk about them. Like she doesn't like Smith. She said, I don't want to talk about that woman. So she'll go to something else. And if I talk about the police or something, she defends them 150% now. I'm not going to talk about police. Nothing wrong with police. So you have trouble having discussions with them on stuff because certain things they don't want to talk about. But there's a real problem there. Always has been. And it's, uh, there's actually a movement called sort of surreptitious, I don't know the word. Anyway, surreptitious? Yeah. There's, there's people wandering around through British Columbia and, and Saskatchewan with the same ideas, so it's kind of underground, and get the hell out of here and form our own country and yada, yada, yada. Not, you know, bringing any names or anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that idea is there. And uh, there is some truth in the uh, the payment plan. I think that it should be changed somehow to connect with the GST that's collected in the province, and then they just keep that money. Hmm, interesting. And get the feds out of it. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, one of the, one of the questions that I've got is, you know, you've got these, it's a, it's a pension plan. Uh, this really is about who is putting that money in, but it follows people around. I don't understand why Alberta thinks that it needs to control the pension plan, especially considering that although they have this, you know, they do contribute more because, or people who work in Alberta contribute more because there are so many interprovincial migrants who come there to work, right? But those migrants also end up leaving afterwards. This is, this is the, you know, kind of how it ties into equalization. For instance, BC has the most, uh, interprovincial migration for retirement, right? Like this is, 
if it's following you around, the money's following you around after you've retired. I don't see why Alberta has decided that it has to control it. James, I mean, do you well, understand they, their they point? They have, um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, somebody with a, with a pension that they earn in Alberta, they're going to, you know, half of these Albertans move to BC anyway, take advantage of our, of our, uh, nice countryside that uh you know isn't destroyed by oil and gas wells and and they can spend all their money here in bc <laughs> right so so you're right but I, I think it's probably like a bureaucratic impetus behind it you know um why let the uh, feds have their uh big you know cpp bureaucracy over in ottawa and we can have it here in calgary uh and have a bunch of highly paid uh, bureaucrats administering you know billions of dollars of of public funding yeah, I, I think it's a lot of it's a lot of hot air. I mean, on on one hand, every province is allowed to have their their own pension plan. Uh, fundamentally, I don't really see the problem with that. Uh, uh, behind the scenes, as you mentioned, and, and those articles they sent around, this is ultimately about uh, equalization and this um, this uh, you know unhappiness with this idea that Alberta contributes all the money to you know to make Canada run and they're not getting anything in return. Well. Uh, man, you really made us do our homework last night, Rez. I tell you, I, I I dug into this whole equalization thing, and I've you know I've looked into it uh, years and years ago, and just kind of refreshed my memory. Uh, there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes here with equalization, right? This is part of the Constitution, um, and then uh, Section thirty six point two, if I if I remember correctly, uh, it requires that everybody in Canada has access to the equal level of public services. Uh, so if you um, are a resident of New Brunswick or Alberta, you should uh, get the same level of health care, you know, the same education, and then there's a very good rationale for that uh, to keep us united as a country. I think here the European Union is a good example of what happens when you don't have equalization payments, but you all have the same currency, is basically you get um, you get some real problems with, uh, you know, the value of devaluing your currency and, and inflation and, and things like that. So if you're going to operate as one country with one currency, you kind of have to guarantee that everybody has equal level of, of public services. So that's that's the fundamental basis of equalization. And you know what? Alberta was was bequeathed with a wealth of natural resources, and they don't want to share it with the rest of us. I think that's ultimately what it is. They, they reckon that um, by, by chance of geology and geography, they should get it all, right? And that they shouldn't share it with the rest of us. But, hey, you know, they're going to come and take advantage of our... Province. Well, they expect our human Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to come here they and, and fish our, they're going to go and up to the Anzac River on the pipeline cruise and fish all our bull trout, right? That's okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if they, if they want to share all the riches that, 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 uh, you know, the planet gave them, okay, they don't, why do they deserve all this, right? They want to be part of the country, you got to share. That's how it works. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, so ultimately the, the CPP is just a little sideshow, uh, to the, to this bigger issue of the fact that uh, they don't want to share. That's it. That's interesting. I kind of wonder you know, about... I, think we're, I just want to interject here. I think James is getting confused between tourists that come here and go fishing and people that actually settle here. Those people come here to work, and now they're leaving because they're going to go to back to Alberta to work. But the people in Alberta, the Nova Scotians, as you've got on the program to come up, are heading back to Nova Scotia to work. And so these are moving populations, but it's the money... It's the amount of money based on the oil industry that they actually contribute to the overall deal. And it's 10, 15, 20 times more than some of the other provinces. So, you know, I don't disagree that they should give it to the federal government. But how 
you know, when they wanted to put the pipeline. Let's just be clear: it's not the federal government. The CPP is no, a no, separate. No, no, but their, their issue right? is when they wanted to put the pipeline through Quebec. The, Quebec said no. You can't do that, and they're still mad about that. Yeah, that's their main thing. Yeah, because they yeah. took the money with the left hand and then stopped them. The you know, pipeline with the right. And said, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's not how you play this game. Uh, Art. Get jump in here. What's the? Uh, I mean, is Daniel Smith just again kind of just fomenting ire amongst Albertans who already really just hate Trudeau and hate the hate the Feds, or is this like a, a reasonable proposal for the for the Alberta to take over their pension plan? I think they have a legitimate complaint. Uh, I don't think it really helps them any to take over the pension fund. Really, uh, just as a pensioner myself, I'm collecting Canada pension plan uh it's to me that's a good return on investment and that's all that should matter is how the seniors are served but as far as uh alberta resentment of uh quebec i gotta ask why does quebec hate alberta so much it seems everybody in central canada and eastern canada loves to hate alberta uh, because of their wealth and their envy and yeah alberta is sharing lots it's not they don't not want to share the wealth they are sharing it the federal government collects billions in oil revenues from alberta and uh, remember back in the trudeau senior in the national energy plan where he plundered the province to the tune of 90 billion dollars you wonder why they're resentful uh, why they think they're giving too much they are they're they're giving way more than anybody else and you know quebec uh they collect equalization payments from Alberta Oil, uh, and they were able to give, you know, at the time, they're supposedly a have-not province, and they're giving their people $10 a day daycare for years, whereas Alberta couldn't do that. And, uh, like... Uh, Alberta couldn't do that because they have half the tax rate of Quebec. Uh-huh. Because uh, they're paying so much money to Quebec, maybe. <laughs> well, and like like Eric said, they don't want Alberta oil. They don't want Alberta oil even passing through so Alberta can sell it to the world market and make more money so they can afford to make more equalization payments to Quebec. But they're happy to accept foreign oil. You know, and and you got to wonder why Alberta is resentful. To Quebec? No, I don't wonder. I understand that. It's funny that I, one of the articles I sent out was a, an opinion polling piece about the real reason why they don't like they don't like the equalization payment, right? And it was it was about this resentment to Quebec, which is interesting. You raise, raise these points that maybe that resentment it goes is both ways. But the the point that that was being made about the age class of Albertans, right? You've got all this interprovincial immigration. Uh, so all these people coming from other provinces, and they're working in Alberta. So Alberta actually has uh, something like 10 years. The average age in Alberta is like 10 years younger than the average age in the rest of the country because they have they attract all these working-age people. They all work there. Then they go back to wherever they're going to go to retire. So this it's interesting because those equalization payments, it's, it's the same as a kind of how a pension plan works. It's kind of a pyramid scheme, right? You've got equalization payments coming from working age people wherever they are bc alberta ontario going to war going to provinces where you have older populations who need more services i mean that's one other way to look at it right it's not just a regional thing it's also a demographic thing james did you have something to say oh i'm just um sorry i just got it got distracted on uh, just looking into this energy east pipeline thing um but yeah i just wanted to point out like the transfer payments you know are a very small part of the federal 
budget. It's like two percent of the federal budget is is spent on on transfer payments. It's like twelve billion a year or something. It's not a it's not a huge amount of money. I mean, I certainly don't think it's it's something that should uh, you know cause people to want to break up the country over. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, when you when you say it that way, right? It's it's such a small amount, but it's useful. It's useful uh, politically for for folks in the West, not just in Alberta. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. If they if they want the uh, <clears throat> to get mad at the federal government, that's an issue. You know, the, the federal government's going to say no, and then say, see, every time we ask them for something, they say no. That there are absolutely le- legitimate criticisms of the equalization program, like how the formula is worked out. I mean, it's kind of arbitrary. It's not determined by kind of an expert panel. It's there's a lot of politics involved. Uh, you know, since the beginning of certainly of, right of equalization, yeah. it's based on how your fiscal capacity of your province is, is what it's based on, and it's pretty arbitrary. Like what your how you how you calculate that fiscal capacity. It's based on. Uh, forms of tax revenue started off with like four taxes they find the average tax rate of four things now it's like something like uh like 30 over 30 somewhere between 30 and 40 sources of tax revenue that they calculate the average of and it gets pretty convoluted and and there's a lot of disagreement over you know who determines that and uh paul martin kind of started a lot of this big debate back in 2004 he kind of started messing around with the equalization formula and then Anyway, that's the stuff I read last night. I think I remember it correctly. Uh, but but I, there's legitimate uh, criticism there, and, and maybe it should be, you know, the politics should be taken out of the equalization formula. Maybe that would go to some way yeah. to, to reduce... I, I heard years ago that the equalization formula was designed to make sure that Quebec would always be a have-not province. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that may be true, actually. It's a useful, it's a it's a vote-rich place, and the liberals carry it, right? <laughs> Quebec all, often, uh, most often, determines the outcome of the election. Although right now, we, we're back to having these sovereigntists representing them uh, federally, right? So it's a bit yeah. it's a bit messed up. I want to join, uh, I just want to add in this, this issue around Newfoundland, I just love the, I love the optics of this. The premier of Newfoundland went to a job fair in Fort McMurray. <laughs> right? like, I just imagine like showing up at the job fair. Oh, there's the premier of Newfoundland along with like the Chamber of Commerce and like you know what I mean. But he's they're they're trying to attract that huge amounts of people who have who left Newfoundland because the you know the economy there was in the tank for so long to go to Alberta to work because they've got all these other. Uh, these other projects, not just oil and gas, you know, they're claiming that they're going to be ramping up on renewable energy projects. Uh, I, you know, James, how does this kind of fit into the mix now that we've got, we're talking about the CPP and, the, and, and then there would be an Alberta pension plan. And now we're talking about provinces actually kind of fighting over the labor capacity of, of the whole country. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting development. I mean, Newfoundland is is as a side note, Newfoundland used to receive a lot of equalization payments. Uh, they used to be have not province, now they're not, right? They with all their oil and and gas revenue, they're they're considered a they contribute to the equalization payments now. So, uh yeah, things can turn around, I guess. Um uh yet uh, labor is one thing that um as a country that it is the benefit of having open borders between our provinces and and having uh having free trade and free movement of people i mean that's one of the great things about uh, living in canada i I don't really see uh i don't really understand what the the issue there is i mean good on newfoundland for trying to lure people back to their country or their sorry their province (laughs) 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 Uh, we gotta take it we gotta take a short break and we're back to continue this discussion after these messages 
If you're looking for those long-forgotten rock songs, then tune in to Beneath the Grooves with Jenny and BC Kid every Saturday night at 8 for deep-cut rock tracks from the 60s to the 80s. Hear from well-known artists like the Moody Blues and the Alan Parsons Project, as well as obscure acts like Sugarloaf and Madrigal. It's the band you love, but the songs you've forgotten on Beneath the Grooves. Saturday nights at 8 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The 31st Annual Antiques and Collectibles Fair is back this fall. Saturday and Sunday, check out a great variety of antiques and collectibles at the Rolodome. Admission is just $5, $4 for seniors and students, and children under 6 get in free. A weekend pass is just $8. In support of the South Bowl Community Association, the 31st Annual Antiques and Collectibles Fair, Saturday from 10 to 5 and Sunday from 10 to 4 at the Rolodome. At Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, we ask numerous diabetics to monitor their blood sugar after enjoying our baked goods and then share the results with us. Some said blood sugar went up, but the change was so mild it was irrelevant. Several said their blood sugar was unchanged, and several others showed us their blood sugar actually went down after eating our baked treats. If you're diabetic, check us out for yourself. You'll love our baking at Deb's Cafe on 7th and Quebec next to Pharmasave. Forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today with a 30% chance of showers. Wind becoming northwest 20 this afternoon, a high of 10. Clear tonight, becoming partly cloudy near midnight. Northwest winds becoming light this evening, a low of 2 with a risk of frost. For Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud, clearing late in the morning and a high of 13. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. We're back with the political panel. And Art, I mean, this this push and pull between Alberta and Newfoundland over labor speaks to a much bigger issue here in Canada with a huge labor shortage and the increase in immigration that people are calling for. Like, how who's going to win in this? Do you think that Newfoundland is actually going to be, be able to pull their people back and, and continue to, to grow their province? They're, they're, they're could be in, they could be in dire straits if they don't get these projects going, right? Yeah. Uh, however... Just as a personal observation, I've never been to Newfoundland. I've seen pictures of it. I've heard stories of it. And yeah, if if I came from Newfoundland to Alberta, and even if I could go back to El- Newfoundland to make a lot of money, would I want to? Alberta looks to me to be a lot nicer place to live. So you know, you got to. There's no kitchen parties I've seen in Alberta. I tell you, no. Nobody's they don't, they don't got cottons in uh, Alberta though. But, yeah, I know. You don't have to kiss a fro- uh, a cod either. Ass, so. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, it's it's just a matter of lifestyle as well. Uh, if you uh, need workers and you have wealth building like Newfoundland does now, don't go to another rich place to get people to move to Newfoundland. Go to somewhere where it's poor. Where, where they don't have enough work, that would be, you know, make more sense to me, you know, because if somebody's making good money in Alberta, why would they up want uproot? Um, now, to go a lot home. of, a, yeah, but to what? You know, how how nice is Newfoundland? <laughs> now, I I know uh, I read about people from Nova Scotia used to go and work in in the oil sands and make a, a whole uh, load of money. And then they would move back to Nova Scotia, pay cash for a house, have lots of money left over, and then they could work for low wages and live like kings compared to everybody that was there. So, uh, yeah, Nova Scotia is a nicer place to live than Newfoundland, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> having never been there. <laughs> having never been to either place. 
So I, I judge both from an equal uh, basis. <laughs> Excellent. Still making the judgment, though. Uh, Eric, is this, uh, I mean, is this the kind of future of interprovincial conflict is actually just over people? Well, in the 60s, early 60s, I think, or mid-60s, the uh, railways really short of labor in British Columbia and Alberta. And there is a huge influx of uh, people that they got from Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, all the way up to Prince Rupert to work on the trains. And then later on, when things kind of mellowed out, they head back. I know a couple of people retired at the Pulpville, so what are you going to do after prayer? Heading back to Newfoundland. And they're going back. They already bought a house ahead of time. So there's got to be ran, something, Art. Yeah. And I ran into, a guy, there, yeah. ran into a guy in the mall the day before yesterday, and he's a Newfoundlander. He's got the accent. I said, you're one of those squid jiggers, eh? He said, yep. And I'm heading back. He said, I'm going to get taking my wife, and I'm going back to Newfoundland. He said, I can hardly wait to get there. So they, they're really, really happy to be Newfoundlanders, and that's where they want to live. So they're going to pull their people back. And it's, you know, like, it's it's bigger than that. You know, we have charter flights out of Toronto, flying workers from Toronto into the oil fields, two weeks in, two weeks out. And those people are going back to Newfoundland, right? Well, yeah. they're going back they're going through they're going Toronto. Going yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they never really left then. No. That's true. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a different thing, I guess. But I mean, even then, they, I mean, they hell, if it worked out, they could just work. 100% of the time, <laughs> half in Newfoundland, half in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been to Newfoundland. I mean, well, part of it, I've been to St. John, and it, it does look a little, it is a little bleak. I went there in June. It was, like, foggy, cold, wet, rainy, but uh, people were awesome. And the uh, one thing I really remember is going to a campsite, and everybody had their little trailers. Like, it was a provincial campground, but, like, everybody had their kind of, like, permanent, it was like a permanent cottage set up. Oh, yeah. And they just played music 24 hours. Yeah. You'd hear these Newfie, these Newfie songs. Like, you couldn't sleep. It was, it was all, all night. And they had Christmas lights set up. And, man, they were, you know, they, they basically lived there for three months. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was the thing. I've, I've been there, too. The music is just incredible. And it's, and it's everywhere. Uh, okay, a little more uh, technical side of things here. We've got an interesting... Uh, I wouldn't say it's activist, and it's actually not related to Biden because one of these uh, one of these lawsuits is actually started under Trump. But both Amazon and Google, and actually Meta as well, are being sued by the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Amazon is being sued by the FTC plus seventeen states uh, for anti for for monopolistic behavior. Uh, the main issues are that it's punishing sellers who sell things cheaper elsewhere by dumping them to the bottom of their crazy search engine system. Uh, and also, they, they force sellers to use their warehouse, and they, they charge them for it. That was interesting. Google is also being sued because they have 90% of the market share. And although it's not illegal to do this, they, they put this as the default search engine for Apple and LG and Motorola and Samsung, all these all these mobile units. It's interesting. It's not illegal to do that unless the company is so big that it exclusively uh, that that exclusivity hurts rivals. I'm just wondering, guys, if if this is uh, kind of an interesting new move uh, by the FTC to actually start reigning in what I see as uh, like clearly monopolistic uh, trends in not just in tech but uh, across the board. Art, is this is this something that we should be looking forward to, or is this just uh, anti-competitive? Uh, you know, lack of competition is always a problem for the end user, for the consumers, so uh, and for the economy. Uh, it's wonderful to have the monopoly, and then you you can write your own ticket. But 
it's it's not good for the the country or the people. Now, personally, I have no problem with Amazon. I rarely use them. I only uh, buy things online when I can't get them locally. Uh, so I don't use them very often, but every time I use them, I go on there and, and uh, they offer me free shipping if I sign up for Amazon Prime. Free shipping for the first month. So, of course, I sign up. And before the end of the month, I cancel. Uh, you know, part of this lawsuit says they uh, make it easy to sign up, but difficult to cancel a subscription. No, it's not. It's real easy to cancel. <laughs> so I get free shipping every time, and I'm not a member of Prime, and uh, except for a very short time each time. They don't. They haven't, you know, tagged my name and stopped me or anything like that. So. <laughs> and you're you're like the guy at the gas station. As a, there's one one row in the gas station where I had a trailer to get in, and this guy's there for like 20 minutes, and he keeps like uh, putting the pump back up, and then you know taking it out, running the numbers, filling up for like 30 seconds, putting the pump back. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, is the pump broken or what's going on? And he's like, oh, no, each time I do that, I get 100 points. But, you know, I, <laughs> oh my uh, God. you got to spend yeah. a minimum of uh, of 10 bucks or something. And, and he did that. Yeah. Anyway. But there I, was, there I, was I, another I'm not holding anybody up. <laughs> no, the, the, prime, the Prime membership is an interesting thing because they're also claiming that they, with that Prime membership, you know, you get, quote, free shipping. But Amazon is taking a loss on their shipping, which is th- another issue with uh, with forcing other people out of the marketplace. Right? Yeah, somebody's yeah, paying for that. Yeah, and that, that's part of the monopoly thing, you know. Um, uh, where, what else was going Yeah. Uh, I don't use Google. I don't trust Google. And I don't like Bing, that search engine. That that comes with... That was what, Microsoft, yeah. Yeah, it, it comes with it. And I won't use it because I figured, oh, I wonder how this works. So I had a website at the time. And I typed in my whole website, whimsicalwoodturnings.com. And it couldn't find it. Oh my God. I had the whole title. It couldn't find it. Yeah. So I don't know if they've improved it back then. No. no. I use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. And hey, uh, for those listening at home, DuckDuckGo guarantees your privacy. Right. It does. And is a private company. Eric, I mean, what do you think about this? Is this is uh, kind of some interesting um, maneuvering here by the FTC? Uh, it seems to be non-political because one of them started under Trump. This one's under Biden. Um, but you've got this like this push against these these huge tech companies. Uh, is this going to be a positive thing for the end user? Well, I think in the past. I'm thinking back years ago when uh, you know when they started with the telephone and then the radio and then TV, and they regulated them all at the end of the day. And uh, the FDC or whatever it is down there uh, would actually step on you if you got out of line. And we have the CRTC here that does the same thing. And I, you know, I mean, it seems to be a lot of money being thrown around. I think that governments should have their own in competition with these guys so that if they do want to play hardball, you just pull the pin on them. So you want, hold on a minute, you want the government of Canada to set up a website to do search engine? Same as CBC. Ah, I see. Interesting. And then I can always go to them as a fall down. Last week you told me that anything the government touches turns brown. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it wouldn't turn brown. (laughs) But it'll be there as an alternative. A candidate. That's right. If you don't do the job you're supposed to be doing, we'll do it for you. That's interesting. I mean, we had, uh, in, in terms of telecom, we had a... 
I think Saskatchewan is the last province to get rid of their their Crown Corporation telecom provider. That was in the maybe it was ten years ago, but up until that point, it was actually the cheapest place to get a cellular service. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome to Harvest Season with Downtown Fall Fest on Saturday, October 7th from 8.30 to 2. Visit the Q3 Community Market and Prince George Farmers Market, both at Quebec and 3rd, and the Wilson Square Community Market at 3rd and George. There will be free pumpkins, a fall photo booth, live music, a petting zoo, family crafts, and a pancake breakfast, plus specials at all three markets. Shop, eat, explore, and thrive with Downtown Fall Fest on Saturday, October 7th. For more information, visit downtownprincegeorge.com. UNBC's Northern Sports Center is presenting their Seniors Day Open House. If you're 55 or older, join the Northern Sports Center for fun and free fitness activities this Sunday. Bring your indoor shoes and take the facility tour for a chance to win a Northern Sports Center membership and more. Check the National Seniors Day Open House page under events at unbc.ca for a detailed schedule of activities. The Seniors Day Open House, 10 to 3 this Sunday at your Northern Sports Center. First Student is a leader in student transportation and is excited to be adding to their family of school bus drivers and licensed mechanics. Let First Student put you in the driver's seat. You'll need a full driver's license, clean record, must be safety-focused, and enjoy working with children. Apply online through workatfirst.com or call Christine at 250-900-8220. Apply today through workatfirst.com or by calling Christine at 250-900-8220. Life Before the Pulp Mills from your Council of Seniors is a unique look back at the early years of Prince George, the Goat Island Swimming Hole and Pier, the Old Army Hospital, and making do during World War II. It's a look back using the words of past Prince George residents such as the Peckhams, the Ollingers, the Kirskys, and others. Our city in the 40s and 50s and early 60s comes alive for just $20. Life Before the Pulp Mills, available at the new Council of Seniors Resource Centre, 1330 5th Avenue. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, James, Amazon and Google, and actually Meta is a third, uh, a third uh, one of these guys getting targeted by the FTC. Are we going to get some actual action out of this? you think that we're going to get some of these guys broken up and, turn, and, and, and made to, like, increase competition? Oh, I sure hope so. You know, like we said before the break there, everything that the government touches turns, turns brown, and you know, there's there's truth to that. I think if you can get private companies to provide a service, you're going to probably get better service. But the but the key word there is they've got to have competition, right? They've got absolutely. To be, they've got to be scared of each other. Okay, if there's somebody else who's doing a better service, uh, that's going to keep the other uh, private company honest and 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 making sure that their service is is maintained. But the problem is when you get these monopolies. Okay, once you get one company that basically dominates the system. Uh, then you lose that competition. You lose those naturally, uh, those natural things that uh, that create a good service. And we're in that situation now with Amazon, with Google, uh, and one of the key uh, points to this to this uh, Federal Trade Commission filing down in the states is is the definition of what's a public utility. And are these mm. are these public utilities? Do they fit the definition of of a, of a public utility? And once something's a public utility. Um, Basically, it's to say it's a natural monopoly, which we've talked a little. I've talked a little bit about on the show, and a natural monopoly is something that makes sense to be a monopoly. Okay, and and arguably a marketplace like Amazon is a natural monopoly. 
it doesn't really make sense to have competition there. If you have three different Amazons, it's it's harder to sell stuff. It's harder to find stuff. Okay, you got to go to three different search engines to find something, and it's more efficient uh, to have a centralized shipping thing. So, are you are you saying that, that that we should have, for instance, one grocer in British Columbia because that could be a natural monopoly too? No. If, if that's where if that's where something is going and and where it's gone. Which, you know, clearly Amazon's already gone down that route, okay? We already basically have a single uh, shipping distributor monopoly, monopolized marketplace in this in this continent, they, they, on this continent. So they, they once you made achieved, their way there, and then they began to claw you, back the benefits that they used to get exactly, there, right? Exactly. I mean, I mean, that's what happens, right? And then, and then all that maximized efficiency that the system has created, it just turns into shareholder value. It turns into profits for the for the owners of the monopoly. Okay. Once you get to that situation, uh, there has to be government regulation. And then it turns into a, a lobbying for reduction in, for instance, labor protection. Yeah. Right? They do that all over the United yeah. States. They pit jurisdictions against one another in order to set up these warehouses. Right. They especially do that in places where they have lower lower uh, employment rates. Yeah. Uh, and for instance, the the charge that they have for the the warehousing. Right. You want to be on Amazon, you got to use their warehousing. So then you have to yeah. pay them to be on it. And frankly, their 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 market share means that. Other people can't even can't even come up like they can't even compete. It's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing innovation in in basically capitalism. What Amazon has created, right? They they've created this this incredible marketplace, the centralized distribution hub. Uh, basically, the way I look at it is is they've perfected the idea of that little centralized kind of marketplace in the medieval villages, right? Now is a place where everybody could come. And, and the whole point, like the, the best kind of marketplace is one where the cost of transaction is very low, right? So everybody, like the farmer's market that Art goes to, right? You, you, um, you've got everybody with their wares at one spot. All the buyers go to the one spot. Uh, two spots of prison charge. There's the, there's a, yeah, exactly. There's a cheap and, and, uh, frictionless mode of interaction. Everybody goes home happy, right? And that's kind of what Amazon has created on this massive scale. Well, really, they they got five hundred thousand independent uh, pr- producers, sellers working with them under that system, and a lot of those would not be able to do it on their own. So it's good for them too, in a way. Oh yeah, no, I mean, like I say, it's, it's just it's a, it's a massively efficient, uh, a really effective marketplace, and the problem is there's no there's no alternative. Yeah, so that's it. And I wonder because look at so the Google case is an interesting. Uh, Development, right? Because Google basically became the monopoly by eating the lunch of Internet Explorer, which had been the monopoly up until about 2010, yeah. right? And they had lost one of these FTC cases. They didn't get broken up. You know, there was there was a deal made in 2001. And, you know, this happened in the 90s. There was a deal made in 2001. And Google kind of took over as the monopoly. You might be right that these are natural monopolies. But the other point could be that that capitalism in this late stage lends itself to these like giant monopolies and that's not necessarily good for anyone the way i see a natural monopoly it's where there's no alternative like uh, before cell phones your telephones all came from a landline you couldn't go to anybody else there was just a line coming to your house so that would be a natural monopoly 
Because it doesn't make sense for them to make another you, you line. Are you right? going to have Somebody ten can. lines coming into your house yeah. and then pick and choose every? No, that's not going to happen. So that's why you get uh, government regulating uh, rates and stuff like that for natural monopolies. But there are. I mean, I, I, don't, I would say that Amazon, although it is, the it's most a monopoly. It's not a natural monopoly, right? No. And that's and there are lots of other online sellers out there. Etsy's one, right? If it's a, if it's more like handmade stuff. Um, but the interesting thing that Amazon does to maintain its position is that you can't sell your stuff cheaper elsewhere, yeah. and that's one of like that's a that's an anti-competitive rule, right? And that that kind of rule, especially when you have that, I love I love it's interesting in the in the legislation in the United States. It cannot that exclusivity that you've got. You're allowed to have that exclusivity, but it can't hurt rivals. And I think that that's the point here. Is I would I would argue Amazon is a natural monopoly, but but uh, we could probably. <laughs> argue about that for about the, an hour the internet has <laughs> has infinite space right yeah it's not like it, you only got one town square but the internet has as many but towns it, squares you, as but, you want but you only have one effective monopoly doesn't mean it's a natural monopoly. yeah that's a, that's a result not necessarily no, no, part of the logic right we do have to take a short break we'll be back after these messages Public skating and drop-in hockey are back for October through March here in Prince George. Join in for a game or two of hockey during your lunch hour on Tuesdays and Thursdays in Kin 2 for ages 16+. plus. Indoor public skating is available at Kopar Memorial Arena and the Elk Center with sessions on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Private rental times can also be booked for special events. Full details for drop-in hockey and public skating are available online at thenorthedge.co. The Prince George Council of Seniors and Seniors First BC have partnered with local volunteer legal professionals to offer free advanced planning documents like wills, powers of attorney, and representation agreements to eligible seniors. Clinics are held one Wednesday each month by appointment at the Seniors Resource Centre, 1330 Fifth Avenue. For more information, visit seniorsfirst.ca. To book an appointment, email apclinics at seniorsfirstbc.ca. The Heart Pioneer Center is open for lunch, dine-in, or take-out. Take-out orders must be phoned in 24 hours in advance, while those wishing to dine-in are also asked to call a day ahead. Contact the Center to order or RSVP by calling 250-962-6712 between 9 and 1. Cost is just $10 and includes soup or salad. The monthly menu schedule is available through the Center. The Heart Pioneer Center, open for lunch Monday through Friday, closed on holidays. Forecast from Environment Canada. A mix of sun and cloud today with a 30% chance of showers. Wind becoming northwest 20 this afternoon, a high of 10. Clear tonight, becoming partly cloudy near midnight. Northwest winds becoming light this evening, a low of 2 with a risk of frost. For Saturday, a mix of sun and cloud, clearing late in the morning and a high of 13. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. I just wanted to point out uh, some kind of crappy news just because uh, he's my mechanic, Dan Duckworth. Uh, he's he's at, down at Esslinger Motors. He had $4,000 worth of power tools stolen. Um, you know, it's it's a crappy thing, and we do have a lot of property crime in Prince George. Uh, I, there was a claim submitted to uh, council recently by a business owner downtown that they've noticed a sharp increase in crime since the Millennium Park decampment. I think that people called that. But the main point I want to make here is that uh, I, I, I was looking into some of this research into, you know, causes of crime, etc. And, uh, you know, we're looking at inequality being one of the main drivers of increases in crime. Uh, but the other factor involved 
uh, is what they called fractionalism in this research, uh, which is people really just distrusting each other or uh, kind of being broken up into tribes. I guess you could call it tribalism. Um, the opposite of that I might call solidarity, right? If you've got an increased solidarity, then you've got less resentment when you've got this increase in inequality. I just wonder, you know, so Dan, Dan Duckworth is calling for more RCMP. That's probably the short-term solution. You just need more eyes on the street. Um, but the long-term solution has to be something that deals with this massive inequality we're having, having here in BC. I just want to set that up as the kind of topic for discussion here. Eric? Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me of David Copperfield where the, the businesses, some of the shady businesses would hire young kids to go out and and uh, pickpocket for them. That was their job all day long. Bring the goods back to the guy and, and get a percentage. King and Queen and all these people got freebooters or freeloaders out on the open sea to rob people all the time. <clears throat> if you were a, a highway robbery in Britain and had a reputation, you could go to jail and take your gal with you and have any kind of food you wanted. But if you were a poor person for stealing a loaf of bread, you would go to jail for maybe 30 years. It'd starve you practically to death, work you to death. And so a big discrimination there. And the point I'm trying to make here is it's only against the law because we've made it against the law as we progress. You know, one time it was okay to steal. It's just the, the main thing was don't get caught. It was okay to beat your taxes, but don't get caught. And that type of thing. And, uh, but now... I don't know if it was ever okay to beat your taxes. <laughs> well, I think in France, Depends on your point in of France, view. In France, you actually had a competition with your neighbors if you could get out of more taxes than he did. That type of thing. <laughs> it's amazing what we actually do. But the, where we're at now is that we we have to turn this around. I, I maybe go down and talk to that guy. I understand where he's coming from. And I also understand, I'm just guessing, that nobody's doing a thing about it. And that's unacceptable. We cannot keep going on and having everything that's going on here and do nothing about it. And those people that say, oh, and I try to get along with them, but we're paying big money to the, uh, the fire department, to the police, to the city, to everything else to solve these types of problems. That's why they're there. And they don't seem to be getting the job done. So, you know, what do you do? I don't think you throw everybody in jail is a solution. Some places in the States, they would look at uh, individuals in jail, and if they could find a way to let them out early on parole because they weren't, maybe shouldn't even be there, then they would release them that way so they had room to put the real criminals in jail. We might have to do something like that. Years ago, I talked to a chap that spent six months in Ocala on remand for, I get this now, for stealing a bottle of whiskey from his bootlegger. <laughs> you know, Amazing. I, said, I, said, I don't believe this he said no six months because he had to wait to go to trial he couldn't get a lawyer and so he just sat there and then of course you know what happens well he gets convicted so time served and they let him go it's amazing. We don't know what's going on in our prison system because nobody's, well, if they're looking at it, they're not telling us. I'm yeah. just assuming they're full, but I don't know that. I mean, it's funny. I don't even think that Dan is talking about bringing cops down there to actually arrest people. It's more for the deterrent effect, right? Yep. Just having eyes on the street. I mean, James, short term, we need we need people looking out for each other, but long term, what, like, how are we going to deal with this? 
Oh man, it's such it's such a huge issue. I just wanted to to pick up on what Eric was saying. You know, it's absolutely correct that if you're in the right position of society, you can steal all you want. You're not going to be penalized for it. Um, it's called they, evasion when you're when you're at that level, well, right? Oh, tax evasion. I mean, look look at Canfor, right? They got uh, oh. you know the year before they earned uh, record profits, they they got twenty three million dollars in in COVID wage uh, subsidy, there you go. and all the banks do, right? That's yeah. okay. And then they don't. Nobody goes after them to claw back that money. But if you're a little guy on the street who maybe took some COVID relief, you know, you better believe you got to pay that back. Yeah. So I mean. There, there's there's different sets of rules for for everybody in society based on how powerful and rich you are and and I think you know when you do have injustice in society like this at, at a big level like who's to say you're you're starving out on the street who's to say stealing to survive is wrong if these big corporations get away with it or just like in the in the previous segment here in the show about uh, the big Amazon ripping everybody off and and uh, Jeff Bezos being like the the richest guy on the planet. You know, uh, because he's basically controls the marketplace. Uh, but you're telling me that somebody's going to go to jail for stealing some tools. I mean, I mean it's, obvious, it's, obviously, I don't think that Dan should have his his tools stolen. But at a big level, you know, if we if we've got one set of standards for the the you know your your street crook, and another set of standards for the person at the at the top of the heap, um, the whole society is going to fall apart. And that's what's happening. That's I, I agree. That's what's happening. It is one thing that if if it were an Amazon warehouse that was getting broken into, I, I would feel a little less, <laughs> a little less, uh, you know, of a problem there. But when it's you know my mechanic and and I'm a small business owner too, you know, if I had stuff stolen from me, I'd be so angry, and and it would probably turn me yeah. against you know those people who are on the bottom. Yeah, right? absolutely. But if you pick on Jimmy Patterson, okay, you're gonna get ostracized. Yeah. You know, like any time I bring up Jimmy Patterson, like I I get hated really? for it. Oh yeah, I I I made a post on Stop the Spray BC about Jimmy Patterson was in town actually two days ago yeah. to, to open the to new, open his new yeah. store, and I made oh, a comment yeah. about his company that he's a majority owner of Canfor, uh, spraying all the forests around town, and I got blocked by the river for pointing wow. that out. Wow, you know, so if you stand up for your town, if you stand but up, is up the for river owned by Patterson Communications? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, this is the issue we got to talk about monopolies, right? Art. Yeah, this increasing uh, inequality is used to incite people for political purposes. Come on now. You hear the uh, politicians, you know, and and the activists, they're always talking about, oh, these rich billionaires and you poor people. They, they The top 4% own 90% of the wealth or something. You know, and that's to make you envious, even if you're living well. Like I'm, I'm uh, one of the uh, below poverty level people. I live very well. Uh, it, it, and nobody's problem, not none of my problems, not yours, are caused by somebody else being a billionaire. Usually, because uh, somebody is able to make a billion dollars, that makes other people money. People who are billionaires have huge businesses that employ a lot of people. So. Uh, it's just a matter of political jealousy, and uh, the fact is, if you're going to take away their wealth, you probably make the poor people worse off, too. That's the way it's always worked before. I do want to be clear about that research. It's a correlative, right? Increased, increased inequality is correlated with increased property crime. Right? It's not saying that it's causing it. It's saying that those two things go together like a horse and carriage. So then we got to think, well, where is that coming from? Increased crime is because governments have stopped punishing it. 
<laughs> California. We, we'd have to add that as a variable. That'd be interesting. California has said they will not prosecute any theft under 950 bucks. So that basically made it legal to steal $949 worth of stuff. And they are doing it. Well, it sounds like you'd have that guy at the gas station doing that, eh? $949 worth of gas every time and yeah. then take well, it what off. About, what about all the money you owe Amazon for uh, canceling your shipping? I don't owe them. That's <laughs> their deal. Getting all that free shipping. I owe them nothing. That was their offer. <laughs> okay, we got to take a short break. We'll be back after these messages. The downtown branch of your Prince George Public Library is hosting Winniscatan, a traveling exhibit designed to create greater awareness about the high rates of missing, murdered Indigenous peoples. Today's the final day at the Bob Harkins branch for the exhibit from the Legacy of Hope Foundation. This traveling exhibit has been curated to commemorate and educate about the high rates of missing and murdered Indigenous people. Winniscatan, a traveling exhibit from the Legacy of Hope Foundation, ending today at the Bob Harkins branch of your Prince George Public Library. This year's regional outreach exhibition from Two Rivers Gallery is Aaron Stagg's Otipumisawa, The People Who Own Themselves. The McBride Valley Museum and Archives will be hosting the exhibition from October 17th through November 17th. Stop by if you're in the McBride area during this time for a look at this unique Aboriginal series. Otipumisawa, The People Who Own Themselves. October 17th through November 17th at the McBride Valley Museum and Archives. 3rd Avenue water main replacement work is continuing by the City of Prince George. 3rd Avenue is closed between Vancouver and Victoria Streets and between Victoria and Brunswick Streets. Sidewalks along 3rd Avenue between Vancouver and Brunswick Streets remain open as do local businesses. The water main replacement is expected to be finished by the end of September. Motorists are advised to detour around the area when possible. This is phase two of a multi-year project to replace 60-year-old infrastructure. The government of British Columbia is working to make provincial services accessible for everyone. To help the process, your provincial government wants to hear from anyone who's having a problem accessing service. Feedback can be submitted online at gov.bc.ca slash accessibility feedback or by calling 250-940-8569 or by emailing accessibility at gov.bc.ca. Speak up and help the Government of British Columbia understand the barriers you face when you access government services. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So I just want to take a moment to, to feel sorry for Justin Trudeau. He, he's had a couple of bad weeks. You know, he, 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 he's been just pounded on this affordability crisis. Uh, he's down in the polls. And then he has to he has to beat the media to the story about uh, uh, Hardeep Singh Niger being killed by by India, right? And then you know he's thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna have a nice day in Parliament with Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine. He's gonna come over here. He's saying these lovely things about about Canada and how we're a, a light in the world for freedom and all this stuff. And 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 the next thing you know. The guy that they that they give two standing ovations for for having fought in World War II against the Russians, the Ukrainian Yaroslav Hunka, turns out he's a Nazi. <laughs> I wonder what like is this turning turning Yaroslav Hunka into a Nazi? Which he I mean he fought for the SS, right? So technically you could say that you know he fought for Nazi Germany. Okay, he's a Nazi, just definitionally. Um, is this just more political posturing? You know, like having having. Making sure that 
this this guy is classified as a Nazi means that you know okay we lost Roe to the Speaker big deal like you know he's he hasn't left Parliament they'll put another guy in there and you know it's it's a it's a way for other parties to to make to make hay out of this but I mean if you're fighting for Ukrainian independence or and there's there's a war going on of course you're fighting the Soviets right who's who are you gonna who are you gonna fight the Soviets with well they're natural enemies the Germans. I just wonder because you know his his unit. You know I'm not I'm not trying to um, apologize for Nazism, but his unit was uh, known to have killed Polish civilians, but not to have participated in the Holocaust. James, what do you think about this whole mess? Yeah, you know you look at you look at a guy like Trudeau. He's he basically pictures himself as the last bastion of this kind of post-war liberal. Order, you know, the he's he's the last guy on the world stage who's who's fighting for liberal democracy, and uh, yeah, to see what happened there in the House of Commons with uh, with the ovation for this um, two ovations, Second World War Nazi uh, fighter, yeah, is is quite quite the bad week indeed. Uh, I get what you're saying, Rez. You know, um, you know, look at politics and and and. Uh, in history is a very complicated thing. Uh, my reading of it is is Hunka. Um, you know, there was a lot of SS people who fought for the SS in World War II who were not war criminals, right? They they did an investigation of him apparently after the war, and he wasn't in a position of leadership. He didn't pass orders that were war crimes. I mean, he was eighteen. He was a kid who was fighting in a war that he got caught up in, and and they let him into Canada. And as far as I know, he was not a a war criminal. Um. So I mean, there's that, uh, but it was a it was a horrible embarrassment. I mean, why would you yeah. why would you even do that? Why like just just forget it. it's part of, it's history. It's over. Um, you know, like let's move. We don't need that kind of historical example anyway. Like there's a new example, and that's Russia invaded Ukraine uh, unprovoked. It makes uh, it makes you wonder who is doing the vetting for Rota, right? For yeah. the because that's it's his constituent, right? That that's why he invited him. All right, what do you think about this whole schmazzle? You know, everybody has heard of the Holocaust. How many have heard about the Holodomor? That was when the Soviet communists uh, starved 4 million Ukrainians in the years of 32 to 33. They deliberately starved them because they were resisting being put onto collectivized farms. They wanted to keep their own farms and keep farming like they had. And the communist Soviet empire moved in and... Uh, they didn't like them being independent growers. So they starved them to death. Four million in one year. Now, if you're living there as a young man, like Hunto was, and the Germans come in, they're liberators. They're f- chasing off the horrible Russians who have done these horrible things to you. Naturally, you're going to want to join them and help kill those Russians that have hurt you so bad. So I, I can't blame him for that at all. I wouldn't call him a Nazi. He was just uh, joining with the anti-Russian German forces, as far as he could see, the way I understand it. Uh, and and it wasn't just him. It was all Ukrainians saw the Germans as liberators. And it was only after they liberated them for a while that they saw them rounding up the Jews and deporting them to the death camps. Uh, but from their point of view, uh, the Germans were, were the good guys. Um, and, you know, you got to ask yourself, which is worse, the communists or the Nazis? I mean, the communists killed more people. 
Yeah, they were just a little indiscriminate about it. <laughs> I think when we get into this, it's it's going back to what Rez was saying. This is politics, pure and simple. And uh, Trudeau can't form a government now, or the Liberals, without help from somebody. They got the uh, NDP holding them up for the last, all right, till the next election. Yeah. And they don't like it. They like to steal the NDP program, but they don't like to be dependent on the NDP to stay in government. Now, I don't know if you guys seen the announcement last night or this morning, but that big, uh, uh, I think it was Volkswagen battery plant has been given to Quebec. It's a huge, huge, huge project, billions of dollars. And you got Trudeau standing there and you got the premier of Quebec standing there shaking her hands and smiling. And that's basically, I interpret that as, it's a close election next time around. We'll expect you guys to support us. So they might make a shift from NDP to Bloc. But he's basically thinking of the next election and how he's going to get a majority. And for 10 or $40 billion to Quebec could go a long way to getting the votes or the number of members that he needs. So it's politics. It's always politics. You know, and we're at the end. Of, and just to top it off with this... Uh, uh, crimes downtown you see the problem with that is no get this so serious okay, okay it's a human rights issue now we have people working in stores that are being assaulted by people who are allowed to break into stores and commit crimes and there's no repercussions for that well that's our show this week thanks very much for listening uh, just a reminder it is orange shirt day tomorrow truth and reconciliation day so uh, please wear orange go check out the events at clearly today memorial park in memorial for people who have who uh, survived Indian residential schools. Thanks very much. After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at CFISFM.com. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email CFISFM at Yahoo.ca. This is 93.1 CFISFM Prince George, proudly supported by community organizations like the Canadian Home Builders Association of Northern BC. Check them out online at chbanorthernbc.ca.